Come on. He is strong. He is powerful. He is Howard Tiersky, and he is the founder of From. He's the Wall Street Journal bestselling author of Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance. I'm excited to have you on. Howard, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Well, hey, George. Thanks so much for having me. I love that intro that I'm strong and powerful. Yes. It makes me feel so ready to go first thing in the morning. <laughs> So, well, let's see. Starting on my personal life, since you asked that first, um, I'm the father of five. My oldest is a sophomore now at Dartmouth, and my youngest is in second grade. So that keeps me busy. Uh, And I uh, run a company called From, the Digital Transformation Agency, which also keeps me busy. Uh, And we have the opportunity to work with a lot of large brands on digital transformation. And uh, that's anyone from AAA for roadside assistance. We just redid their whole roadside experience. We've worked with the Avis Budget Group a lot. We're working now with uh, financial services companies like Transamerica. We work with the Schubert organization, Tony Robbins, one of my favorite clients. And so we get to uh, work with a lot of companies. And really, it's all about helping great brands figure out how to be relevant in this continuously changing world because the, the, the society, people's customers, their employees, their suppliers, everybody's becoming more and more digital every day. And so brands have to continue to evolve their user experience in order to stay relevant. And that's not always easy, particularly when you're a large brand. And that's what I uh, that's what I do. Fascinating right there. Yeah, it's hard enough for for smaller people, solopreneurs to 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 stay on top of things, let alone triple A or great big financial companies. So fascinating. Um, How 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 did you get into that? Well, I'll tell you something. I have a degree in theater Mm. and I started uh, I've been doing graphic design for many years uh, kind of as a a side gig because as as you probably know, you don't make a lot of money working in the theater. So I was out in L.A. uh, doing work in theater and I um, got a job working for a large consulting company in the graphics department. This is back in the very early 90s. I was doing slides, you know, PowerPoint. If you remember Persuasion, <laughs> you might not be old enough. <laughs> and, um, and, and, you know, sometimes I joke that I, I've really never left that job. I still find myself making a lot of slides and presenting them every day. Back then I wasn't presenting them. I was just making them. But uh, so uh, but I, it gave me an opportunity to kind of get an inside view of a world of a company that was Ernst & Young Consulting at the time that was working with large brands on technology transformation. And when I started, it was a little before digital before the internet really was, it existed, but it was an academic platform. But I was doing a lot of other things in the media world, video and, and kiosks and things. But so that's how I kind of got involved in this initially. And to some degree, I was at the right place at the right time because Ernst & Young Consulting started to have clients ask them about, starting to want to talk to clients more about this very, very early thing that we called the internet, the web, you know. And, uh, and they looked around the company and said, who knows anything about this? And I was the closest thing they had, the guy in the graphics department, you know? How funny. So, uh, <laughs> that, so I wound up, next thing you know, even though it wasn't really my job, they're like, well, bring that guy along to the client meeting. I'm like, you know, I was just supposed to be the guy making the slides. This was my day, <laughs> my, 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 my day job, you know, my gig while I was making money to try to support my life in the theater. But anyway, I found it fascinating. And before I knew it, I was working with all these large brands because even though I didn't know that much, I knew more than anybody else about this space of 
you know, websites and things like that. And so I've just been in that. That was, you know, 19, I don't know, what was that, 1994 maybe? I don't know. No, before that, probably 1991. <laughs> and so since then, I've worked with dozens and dozens, maybe more than that, I don't even know, of Fortune 1000 brands. And of course, it's changed over the years, right? What, you know, I remember in those early days, I was being brought in to meet with CEOs to answer the question, what is the internet and why would you want to be on it? You know, I haven't been asked that question in a long time, but, um, but nevertheless, there's still an ongoing question of how do you need to change, how do you need to evolve? And so that basic question has been the one that I've been working on really ever since I got hooked. Nice. nice. Life is a funny thing, isn't it, Howard? <laughs> well, sometimes they say, you know, most of us wound up where we are because we just accidentally stood in the wrong line, you know. But then if you believe that everything happens for a reason, you say, well, maybe it wasn't the wrong line. Maybe it was the right line, and I just didn't know it at the time. Yeah, yeah. It's fascinating. All right. So when, we're talking, when, when you're talking about transformation, that's, that's a great big word. And I'm thinking if I'm working with, with, with AAA, how, how do you even start that? Do you start with revisiting the mission and the vision or – yeah. Well, uh, well, you start with an understanding of sure. What's what's the brand really there to do? What are they what are they trying to do for people big picture? And then but once you know that the domain, shall we say, of what the brand is trying to be in the world, then what you really want to understand is so where is the pain? Where are people not able to fully achieve their goals or where are they experiencing extra amounts of difficulty, friction, inconvenience, what have you, where, because those areas of pain and friction are either, they're either dissatisfiers, which if you can remove them, you have the opportunity to make your customers, well, less dissatisfied, and that's important when you're trying to retain customers. And secondly, sometimes there are dissatisfiers or sometimes there are points of pain or friction, which people aren't really thinking of as something they blame the brand for, but if you can observe that they're friction and remove them, you create delight. And like an example I'll use is, you know, if I go to the grocery store and I stand in line and there's 14 people ahead of me and I have to wait 40 minutes to check out, well, I'm probably pretty dissatisfied, you know, because that's not what I expect when I go to the grocery store. But you know, if there's two people ahead of me and I have to wait five minutes to check out, I'm not, I'm fine, right? I'm not delighted, but it's still fine. That's what I expect. But if all of a sudden Amazon creates a store where I can just get all my food off the shelf and just walk out without having to stand in line at all, now I'm delighted because you've taken away a point of friction that I didn't necessarily blame you, the brand, for. And so those two, and the interesting thing is both of those come from friction. Both of those come from inconveniences. It's just a question of the pre-existing kind of point of view the customer has. So to me, that's where so much of the opportunity is. So we like to study, we do a lot of customer research, ethnography, we, for AAA, just since you asked about that as an example, I, you know, I spent time myself and other members of my team spent more on, on tow trucks, riding around with drivers so we could see what they experience, what their customers experience, listening in on calls in the call center to understand what is that person saying when they're at the side of the road and they're calling and they have challenges or problems. What are the difficulties where there's confusion between the person taking the call and the person who's calling in trying to figure out whether they have a spare tire or whether they have their lug nuts or you know, where they really even are, you know, like, I don't know, I'm on the side of the road, there's cars whizzing by, it's dark, I don't see a street sign, like, how do you solve the problem? So really understanding the real, real challenges people have, because then you start to be in a position to start to come up with ideas to solve those problems. So it's really, it's, it's first and foremost, finding the pain, 
finding the friction, and then if there's a way to actually remove the pain and to create delight, and probably the removal of that pain and that friction just will will inherently kind of create delight. Yeah. I remember Amazon, for example, when, when I first started to get into Amazon in its very early days, I was living in L.A., and I wanted books on computer graphics because that's a lot of what I was focusing on. And there was like three books out on Photoshop, you know, <laughs> but you couldn't find them at Barnes and Noble. You had to find, and there was one technical bookstore in Los Angeles that carried these types of books, books about very specific software programs. And it was, it was inconvenient for me to get to. LA traffic is horrible, as you know, you know. And so, you know, I would have to drive all the way there every couple of weeks just to browse the stacks and see whether there were any new books about this nascent digital design area that I was trying to learn more and more about. Well, you know, you'd never in a million years do that today, but that was the kind of pain that you wouldn't even think about anymore today because we don't worry about, oh, I need this book. I wonder if I should spend all afternoon calling around stores to see who has this book, you know. Amazon solved this problem. They had everything. It didn't matter if it was a John Grisham novel or it was some relatively obscure technical book. You know, they had it and you could order it. And they would tell you immediately whether it was in stock or it was backordered. Huge solver of pain to me at that time. So when we're talking about digital transformation, I, I had it sort of in it just in, in my head how people are showing up on, on Facebook. But it's more of, to, to, to your point, uh, the friction in the grocery store was I'm having to check out and wait in line. Now I'm just walking right out or I'm having to go randomly pop in on bookstores to see if it's showing up. And now I can click it with one hit of my finger and it's going to show up in my house in an hour. So it's not just how I'm not just how I'm projecting myself for the world. It's the actual experience. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform, for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. Well, that's exactly right. And 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 if you don't, if if, if everybody is now expecting a new, better way of, you know, if you're a if you're a restaurant, if you're an online, if you're a pizza restaurant or you're a Chinese restaurant and you still expect all your customers to call you and give you their entire order over the telephone and your competitors have an easy app where someone can order or look at Domino's, all, you, all I have to do with Domino's is text them the pizza emoji and they will go and look and see, okay, what's my most recent address? What was my most recent pizza order? Uh, you know, uh, uh, what was my credit card on file? And they'll send me back a thing that says, so you want two stuffed crust pizzas, blah, 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 exactly what you want. This is where you want it. This is what credit card you want to use. And all I have to do is say yes. And they bring me a pizza. Compare that to spending 15 minutes on the phone waiting, explaining, I want half this, I want half that. And so, you know, but that was how we all ordered pizza just a few years ago. So if you're a pizza chain or even a single pizza, you know, restaurant, if you haven't solved that problem, your customers are now experiencing a much more convenient way of ordering pizza somewhere else. And unless your pizza is the best pizza in the entire town and people are willing to suffer through that inconvenience, then you have a really a real competitive disadvantage. So the way I like to describe digital transformation is that the world is changing. Your customers' expectations are changing. There's nothing you can do about that. The question is, are you keeping up? Are you leading or are you falling behind? And there's a great Jack Welsh quote that I love. He was, of course, famously the guy who turned around General Electric in the 80s. And I think he did 10x their stock price or something like that. Anyway, way back then, he said, when the speed of change on the outside exceeds the speed of change on the inside, the end is near. And it's a bit dire, 
But look at all the companies who've been falling like flies, you know, and for multiple reasons. But one of the big reasons over the last decade, of course, this year with COVID, it's almost a, another whole issue on top of that. But but prior to that, a lot of it was companies that just didn't keep up with the changing times as pertains to digital. And frankly, even with COVID, those companies that have thrived were those that were ready to deal with people in a more digital way because the in-person interaction was, you know, abruptly taken away from us. And, you know, you look at a company like Sports Authority that went out of business a couple years ago, whereas Dix has had an incredible year with COVID, you know, a sports uh, uh, apparel and sports, um, uh, you know, uh, at home exercise equipment is shot through the roof and they were ready and they had they were quickly up with, you know, curbside pickup and great online ordering. And so they've had a fantastic year. So just look at that contrast two companies in the exact same industry. Fascinating, right? Now, I, I think, yeah, I love it. Totally, <laughs> totally fascinating. I, what when 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 you are talking to a, a company Let's just let's assume that you're talking to a large life insurance company that has all these legacy systems, and mm-hmm. you're having this conversation with them. I guess some people in the room are, are like, "Yes, yes, yes," and some people in the room are probably, "No, no, no." How 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 does that? How are you able to bridge that gap? And sometimes you're probably not. Well, you're absolutely right about that. You know, one of the things that I'm always mindful is that the human psychology is designed to resist change. And that's a challenge because we live in a rapidly changing time. I, you know, early in my career, I was a consultant at Blockbuster where they were, when they were really smart people trying to develop the vision for the future of digital video and how Blockbuster was going to be the king of digital delivery of video to the home. Needless to say, that did not work out. And uh, a big part of the reason was not for lack of vision. And it wasn't certainly for lack of money. It was because of exactly what you just described. It was because while a couple people might get up and have a big vision, there are other people who are like, I'm a retail store guy. We have thousands of retail stores. My whole career has been in physical retail stores. I don't want to see this company pulled in that direction. That's not good for me, or that's just not how I how I see the world. So it is a huge challenge. And in my book, Winning Digital Customers, uh, I spend quite a lot of time talking about this issue of resistance to change and a wide range of techniques to overcome it. But it's probably one of my biggest learnings in doing this work is it's not enough to have the right vision. It's not even half enough. You have to bring people along. You have to bring the organization along. And we do a lot of things to try to accomplish that. Uh, We have a workshop facility in Manhattan just for bringing teams together at 6,000 square feet right across the street from Madison Square Garden. And teams from big companies will come there to spend a couple of days usually understanding the issue, understanding the opportunity, collaborating, ideating. And part of that is about generating better ideas, but part of it is about just having larger groups of people all feel ownership over the transformation. Because when you feel like someone's come in and told you, you know, there's a, there's a great cartoon that I love. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like an internet meme. And it's just two frames. And in the first frame, there's a guy at a podium and he says to an audience, who wants change? And everyone raises their hand. And then he says, who wants to change? And nobody raises their hand. <laughs> And, and, you know, I'll, I'll add that um, you asked me about my personal life earlier. One of the other things that I'm really passionate about is I've been working with Tony Robbins for probably, gosh, almost 15 years now in one form or another, in multiple forms. He's a client of ours. Uh, I've been through all of his training, and I, I work at a lot of his events helping support people who are going through his process. And that's been really educational for me because as the work I do is a lot about helping companies change, the work that Tony does is about helping individuals change and helping them. You know, so often people want something but they don't go for it. You know, things hold them back. They're conflicted. 
people are conflicted, organizations are conflicted. You know, people want to lose weight, but they also want to eat Twinkies. People want to start a new company, but they don't want to leave the security of their current job, you know, or, or whatever it may be. So uh, they want a relationship, they don't want, they don't want to be rejected. And so sometimes people don't move forward. And so I've learned so much from Tony and that whole uh, philosophy and psychology that he teaches in his organization about, about what you can do with individuals. And a lot of it can be applied to people. Yeah. To, yeah. A, a lot of it can be applied to organizations, I mean to say. For sure. Uh, you know, at, at some level, right, the, the challenges to getting uh, a Fortune 100 company to, 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 to make changes are not dissimilar from, you know, a solopreneur. Yeah. Well, because what I always say is there is no such thing as a company. Not, not really, right? I mean, maybe legally, but in terms of actual doing something, there's only people. Mm-hmm. There's just there's only people. So, how do you get all of these people to engage and and to make change? You know, the and the only difference really is people need to work together in order to accomplish things as a company. Although, truthfully, most people need to work with other people to accomplish their personal goals as well. At least many of their personal goals. So, yes, I think it's it's more similar than a lot of folks realize. You have to get into the mindset of the people who's cha- who you want to change. And figure out how to make it make sense for them. I love it. Well, Howard, people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Sure. Well, to me, I think the number one difference-making tip that I found in my life is focus on how you can serve other people. You know, if if you're in if you're in business, ask yourself how can I do more for my clients? How can I make? How can I create an even better environment for my employees? You know, if you want success, I think there are probably many paths to it. And I'm not claiming I have found the the best or only path if all you want to do is sort of add up as many dollars as you can, because you could certainly find companies who probably don't follow this advice and they make maybe more money than I do. But what I found is a pretty good level of success and also the ability to feel good about myself at the end of the day by saying, you know what, I'm here to help and support and serve those who who I'm interacting with on a given day, whether they're people who I've intentionally sought out or whether they're people who just come across my path. It doesn't mean I help every single person in the world or anything remotely like that, but that would be my number one tip. If you've got a customer, don't ask the question, how can I get more money from this customer? Ask the question, how can I understand what this customer really wants and how can I help them accomplish their goals even better? And I would say the same thing of your employees. And while you're not going to find that this works 100% of the time, I mean, I've had employees, for example, where we've tried to coach them and mentor them and help them figure out what would be most rewarding to them in their career so that we can really help them feel with sort of maximally motivated about what they're doing. I had one um, employee once who finally, after spending some time, we had brought in a coach for them. So like that said, you know what I really want to do is open a restaurant. I think that's my passion. I'm like, I mean, that's not my business. So they left. I spent all this energy trying to help this person become more and, and, and they wind up realizing that they didn't even want to work here, you know? Um, but so I say that only because on a one-on-one basis, it may not always, uh, pan out on the balance ledger, but on a, on a holistic level, I think you find, I have found that that is the way to interact with people and that is the way to interact with customers and employees and you'll come out much better in the end. And also why else are we alive? Right. But to, but to be here for other people. And so I think that's, that's my one difference making tip. Well, I think that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Howard, thank you so much for coming on. How, wh- wh- where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Where can, where can they get a copy of Winning Digital Customers, The Antidote to Irrelevance? Sure. Well, let me start with the last one. Uh, my, uh, my book is available um, pretty much anywhere you buy books. But if you want to learn more about it, you can go to winningdigitalcustomers.com. 
where you can download the first chapter for free if you like. There's also links to buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Apple, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, that is certainly, uh, it's pretty easy to find the book. If you wanna learn more about my myself, you can go to howardtierski.com or my company, which is from.digital, which is from the Digital Transformation Agency. Love it. If you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Howard your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Pick up a copy of... Pick up a copy of Winning Digital Customers, the antidote to relevance at winningdigitalcustomers.com. Get the first chapter for free. You can go to howardtursky.com as well as from.digital. Thanks again, Howard. Thank you, George. Awesome to talk to you. And until next time, keep in, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. <laughs>